Namo tasa pakavato arahato samma samputasang Namo tasa pakavato arahato samma samputasanamotasa pakavatom arahatom samman samputasan homage to the blessed noble and perfectly enlightened one. So in past times here, uh, I've often spoken on different subjects and, uh, and, and had a piece of paper with me, or several pieces of paper, to go over what was in the suttas, what was in the, what was in the texts. Uh, to get back to the root of the Buddha's teaching on the subject that I've been asked to speak about. And this evening, it's like an off-the-grid talk. <laughs> like a hermitage. <laughs> kind of like my child in some way. Maybe the genetics of the child are influencing the mother. <laughs> uh, so I'm, I'm going going off the text, going off the, off the grid this evening with the talk, but, but not really. Uh, I just don't have any text here with me, and I'm just going to be speaking out of the book of experience. So, uh, ground of our life, yes? Um, so it is very interesting to see what's in the old texts, and we have a, a sutta discussion group I think there may be one here too, I'm not sure. Uh, yes, so we have a sutta discussion group at our Bodhi house also and love each week to really look deeply into what the Buddha taught from the Pali texts and see what's there and discuss that and see how it relates to our lives. And uh, I'm not really going too far out of that, but uh, if it weren't for the part about our experience and how it relates to our lives, then... What would it be, right? That part then is most important, yes? Um, seeing what's going on there, and how our experience connects to and resonates with the Buddha's experience and his enlightenment, what he was thinking and saying. Yes, and in our monastic life, we think also about what he was doing, how he was living. So for all the, the comers of body, speech, and mind, yes, mind, speech, and body. Mm. So, this evening, uh, beginning this series on applications of mindfulness, I want to talk about one of the ways that mindfulness applies itself. And uh, one of the ways that we may also apply mindfulness or use, use our cultivation and development of mindfulness, consciously. So some people have asked me about the title that I chose for this, and Body, Mind, Conscience. I don't find that in the Buddhist texts. How do you say that in Pali? (laughs) 
as far as I know, there's no proper poly translation of that. Um, but I was thinking about what we call uh, conscience. And uh, some people have even asked me, you know, is there really a, a conscience? Or is it just a kind of fabrication, something that arises out of what we've learned from our parents, our teachers, our society, the people around us? Do we actually have a conscience? Yes? I've been asked that question. I thought it's a really good question. Sure, a lot of what we might ordinarily call conscience, if we look at it through the foundations of mindfulness, and we find, yes, it's, uh, it's very conditioned by what we learned from our parents, what we learned from our teachers, what we learned from media, movies, 3D, no, <laughs> uh, books, all kinds of things, yes? So a lot of our idea of it certainly does come from all of these things. And then, then there's also something else, which I would call a kind of... Um, deeper kind of conscience, which especially those who are practicing mindfulness, particularly mindfulness of the body, mindfulness of the breath, mindfulness of feelings, and mindfulness of of the mind itself, the things that that we call the mind. Uh, For those who practice with that, there's another kind of conscience which I wouldn't say is necessarily unconditioned, although it's very different than the kind of conditioning that is um, what we've been taught by rote somehow, like you shouldn't do this and you shouldn't do that. So one of the later talks in this series I think given by, to be given by Ajahn Ananda Bodhi is on the precepts, on the five precepts. So people look at the five precepts and think this this looks like a kind of standard, very basic morality. You know, very similar, refrain from taking the life of living beings. How is that different than thou shalt not kill? And um, refrain from taking the property of others, taking what's not given that kind of thing. And yet, for the root of this in Buddhism, it doesn't come from someone coming down from the mountain with a tablet in hand and saying, thou, thou shalt not. It doesn't come from that, yes? The five precepts in Buddhism are spoken about as the natural behavior of arahantas, the natural behavior of fully enlightened ones. Now, what does that mean? You know, what is what is the, the natural behavior then? I'm not talking about a learned you know, a learned behavior. Maybe they did learn something about that, but that it's not not coming from that. So I don't know if we could call that coming from conscience in English or not. Normally in Buddhism we say that's coming from wisdom. That's coming from the ground of enlightenment. Even that's coming from the unconditioned. Oh, yes. Yeah, stripping back, getting down through 
the layers of ignorance and ignorant reactivity. Or greed, desire driven behavior. Or aversion driven behavior. And getting down down through that then what what that is. And it's through mindfulness that we get our first sense of this for many of us. It can happen through sudden realization or sudden accidents. Comes to some people from falling down, fall over a cliff and (laughs) wake up and you're still alive and (laughs) everything has changed, right? You call that the sudden path. (laughs) But you don't have to fall off a cliff. It can be cultivated gradually, yes? (laughs) So all of us here in this room, uh, I think, uh, or, or maybe most, we may be gradual practitioners. Yes, so getting getting down through these layers of things, gradually uh, coming down to this on a deeper, deeper and deeper level. Don't have to get hit by a truck. You can drive here safely, and meditate, drive home mindfully and safely. So, as this is meant to be a series for looking into mindfulness a bit more deeply, you want to do just that. So, when we practice with mindfulness of the body, even from going over the body, from, from head to toe, sometimes this is called body scanning, or sweeping, yes. or showering, all my daily activities, <laughs> scanning the room, uh, scanning the body uh, with mindfulness, uh, going over the body, every part of it, from, from head to toe, from the, the hair on the top of the head, whether you have more or less of it, um, the hair on the top of the head, the hair of the body, the skin, f- down to your, your fingers and toes, fingernails and toenails, inside into the bones and bone marrow, and, you know, and out through the layers of the body. For those of you who have learned about mindfulness of the body practice, you've probably been through guided meditations like this, going through the various layers of the body, or you may have learned body sweeping or body scanning. Or you might have just learned mindfulness of the breath, of the in and out breath, of its rising, of its rising and falling. Whether you practice with sweeping the body and relaxing it or allowing yourself to relax while practicing with mindfulness of the body, or if you're simply working with the breath, and feeling the relaxation that comes with being present and being aware of the breath, you become aware of there being places of tightness and places of blocking, yes? Places of energetic holding. So it's very natural to become aware of those places. And with this practice, you've probably learned to to come to awareness of those places, to give your mindfulness 
to give your attention to those places and to really to look into them deeply. This is one of the places where what I want to speak about this evening arises. With looking into the body deeply, and there's something that we sometimes call body memories. If you come to a place of tension in the body, for example, if there were tension in the throat, and you pause there for some time with awareness, Sometimes the, the thing that made that tension catch there, the held response, will come into awareness. Sometimes there's an image. Sometimes you may hear the words again that were said that you were like, oh. Right? There's memory, which is an important part of sati, which is what we call mindfulness. The recollection, the memory. And with our mindfulness, we become aware of that. We may feel that first. And then after that, sometimes there's the image, like a picture playing back of what that circumstance was. Or we hear that, whether loudly or like a whisper, or just just aware of what that was, yes? This is an important part of how the conscience that I'm talking about, or the knowing I'm talking about, arises. A very important part of sati, that, um, that, that remembering, a kind of aspect of the recollection that is sati. And then there's the releasing with that, seeing and knowing it. There's the releasing, the unbinding of that energy and it letting go. So it's held in a holding pattern, yes? But then bringing awareness to it. It's like we hold these things until we're ready. We weren't ready at that time to see and know it or to, to process it more fully, yes? So we held it. And then when we're ready, with our mindfulness, when we come to that, and we give mindfulness and caring attention there, then it releases. The energy disperses. It comes out of the holding pattern. There's the unbinding, the releasing, and the letting go. And often with your mindfulness of the body, then you feel that energy begin to circulate in the body. If it were the neck, then you might feel the energy then release into the chest and release into the belly and spread through the legs, spread through the arms. So it's that ability to, uh, to see and know, that quality of seeing and knowing, non-judgmentally, right? That part's so important. It not, not grasping it, not rejecting it, yes? not going to war with it, not trying to change it, but just bringing that quality of, of awareness to it without judgment. And, and letting it sink into it. It's like a masseuse somehow. <laughs> With the bound up energy, like applying a healing hand to it. But just our awareness. Yes? That kind, well, I think about it as kind. I want to say non judgmental. Can kindness be non judgmental? Yes, certainly. Yeah? 
that kind and non-judgmental awareness that may be brought to those places, then that releases that. So practicing with this for some time, we may become aware of a kind of knowing. First, there's knowing ourself, knowing, knowing our body, knowing our mind. And then, if we look at the classical teachings, the Buddha taught about practicing mindfulness of the body both internally and externally. Yes? We practice deeply with mindfulness of the body and mindfulness of the breath. Where is the boundary in the breath between me and you, really? You, me, right? (laughs) <laughs> if you don't want to be a part of me, you have to <laughs> plug your nose, <laughs> cover your mouth, yes? Even our skin is breathing all of the time. So we are, uh, we are very much connected. Our lives are very much shared in the quality of the breath. And not only, not only the quality of the breath, it's an energy, but The energy of sound is also like that, isn't it? As you're hearing, is it my sound or your sound? It becomes part of your memory for the rest of your life, if there's something memorable in this talk. Yes? Is that yours or is it mine? Or for sight, for what you're seeing. We say light is shining on all of us equally here, yes? Yeah? illuminating all of us equally. Our eyes may work differently, even from early in the morning until (laughs) the evening may work differently. And each of us, yes, but shared in the ground, in the base of our senses, in the body. There's there's the commonality, the sharing, sharing of experience. And this is the place where the kind of knowing that I wanted to talk about uh, and the kind of conscience that there may be. Uh, this is where it, it becomes live. You know, non-discriminating self and other. It's just there is, there is that common ground of, of experience that we share with having these common sense bases, you know, body, breath, mind, feeling, yes, being sentient, percipient. And that develops, that grows as we develop this foundation of mindfulness. When the mindfulness becomes steady and deep and deeper, then even Sharon will be leading a day on loving kindness. We can cultivate loving kindness well, there's the way of accessing it through deep mindfulness. Yes? It's one of the things that often just happens with the depth of mindfulness is the love, compassion, joy. In its depth, the, the joy is, is there, like with awareness, sparkling in everything, all of our senses, our sense of touch, our sense of sight, 
hearing, yes, even smell, even taste. If you've been on retreat and you've had a meal eating mindfully, or if you practice with mindfulness while eating, then you may know how it comes alive with taste. It's not about greed or aversion or desire for the food or not, but it comes alive. It's like there's life energy dancing in every every crunch, squish <laughs> of the food, yes? Bursting forth and transforming, being absorbed even within our mouth into this system and life energy. <sighs> sparkling and transformation, yes? Maybe maybe it was Shirley's food, right? Now inside me, <laughs> we can see even non-self. Even the depths of profound Buddhist truth can be seen and known you know, in these very simple things like, like eating a meal, yes? Or taking a breath, taking a drink of water, right? Not to say, is it well-energized water? <laughs> we can see what kind of energy is in there coming through the pipes or, you know, from a mountain spring. This is something at our hermitage. You know, just going to, going to bathe in the creek there, the pools and waterfalls, and, and the water there is just so full of life energy. It's like very invigorating in a way. I don't know why the water that comes out of our shower at the Bodhi House doesn't feel like that. It feels very different. It's like it's bursting with life energy somehow. Yes? So you see what's, what's inside here. So our, our states of mind may actually even change that. Yes? This is a part about the sharing. Come into this space. You feel the energy in this space. There's the knowing, feeling, seeing and knowing of the energy. Yes? Does it belong to the people who were here before? No ownership, yes? But we we see, we feel, we know it. We know its actuality. Down to here already, yeah? Spreading. And the experience starts to speak to us. I'm using an expression. But there are lots of different expressions for this. But there's what's known in the experience. You see me take a drink of water. Then if your mindfulness is strong, yes, to the point even of there being a level of concentration, moment by moment, yes, momentary concentration. If you're paying attention, you may share in that, in that experience. You know, this hand is still cooler. Someone paying attention may, may even have the perception, have the feeling of that. Yes? So this is something that um, in Buddhism, um, especially related to the Thai forest Traditions. I don't know about northern, but at least in southern Thai forest tradition, this is called the jnana, the knowing, 
Yes? So someone might say that's a psychic power, right? You know, something kind of special. But it happens all the time with us, whether knowingly or unknowingly. And especially where there's a depth of attention, and there's, with that attention there's a depth of love. And when we're not clinging to our individual identity strongly in what we're knowing, in what we're feeling, in what we're seeing, hearing, touching. And this is what pure mindfulness is. Yes? And how it's the opposite, in fact, of ignorance, isn't it? Yes? And as it deepens, as it develops, it comes into being this quality of, of knowing that becomes more more and more pervasive and then starts to come up and surprise us about things even. So many of you who have, um, who meditate regularly or who have been on longer meditation retreats or who are just naturally inclined to real attentiveness with things planting something, touching a baby animal. When that happens, then that, that quality of, uh, kind of quality of non-dual awareness and, and knowing may come in, yes, may be present. So then, hmm, I think most people experience it but maybe just don't know what they're experiencing. It's like not, not aware, completely aware of what they're experiencing. Moms with kids often get this through the depth of their love. Yes? The attentiveness and the love. Even once it's been developed, it will last for years. Yeah? Even there can be the, the pre-knowing, yeah? Sometimes before my mom calls, before she telephones, my mom's still alive, yes? I know, yes? Before my grandma passed away, you know, I heard, I thought, oh, it can be a number of days or it can be a few days. When I heard that and I heard number of days, I know not going to be a number of days. Time to go now. Yes? I could feel it in my body, through mindfulness of the body, actually, that I knew that. The very same way that, I'll admit to you, (laughs) not confessions of a Buddhist atheist, but (laughs) uh, as, as our friends who are next door, with the meeting next door, getting up, Yes? And I could feel the movement in the body that's like responding to that. You know, asking, is it, is it time to move? <laughs> Are you supposed to be doing something too? No, I'll ring the bell a little bit after that, I already said. Uh, and, uh, but that, that movement, yes? Being aware of that, it starts to come into all kinds of things. Someone says something. And you feel your body contracting. 
And the question arises, is it true what they just said? Or someone says something that's actually particularly true. And there's a kind of a opening or a kind of a yes in the body that happens. Yeah? Kind of knowing may be there. When I've talked about this before, people have asked, how do you discern between this kind of knowing about something and these imaginations that we have all the time. (laughs) We have all these fantasies, yes? Fabrications, many kinds of fabrications. And your body will move at a single thought, right? Whether it's true or not, it will move, right? If I imagine a rose, there will be response to rose. If I imagine the thorns of the rose, there will be response in the body to thorns of rose. And it's just just imagination, right? If I ask you to think about somebody who said something really nice to you, very kind and lovely and wonderful, and you can feel in the body, if you remember something like that, the kind of relaxation and the the good feelings. And if I ask you to remember somebody said something really harsh, drove by you on the freeway, cut you off while yelling nasty things at you. (laughs) Yes? By imagination. We know that with mindfulness. But this is something else. Yes? Sometimes we're just proliferating even about things for this other one. Like I'm going to go meet somebody and I, I imagine how it's going to be and make this whole story out of it. You can feel what's happening in the body. If it's a very good story, then feeling good and not good story. <laughs> On the hair bristling, <laughs> tense, ready to go into battle to meet them. And you, know, you walk in, you're, you're armed with your skin and nails and teeth. <laughs> in case they're really awful and then they say something nice and you're like, oh, it was my imagination, right? (laughs) So when we practice with mindfulness of the body, we can really see all of these things very clearly and how they're happening, how they build up, how they develop, what it's like when it was really just a fantasy, when it was a complete delusion, when what we expected what we thought about a particular person or situation when it was just way off base, or even not quite. Practicing regularly with mindfulness of the body, feelings, mind, we know what that is. We know what it's like when that's happening. And we may not fall so easily into being deceived by it. Yes? If it's a habit, we become aware, we're mindful of the habit. Yes? And if we know it has its stages and the story doesn't have to play out like that, we can choose a different turn, right? Rather than going on with that story about how awful they are, we can 
choose to practice loving kindness. <laughs> See how that changes the experience. But we become savvy to what our habits are. We become savvy to what it's like in the body and mind when we're making something up, when it's a fantasy, when it's not actual, it's not real, when it's disconnected from what's really going on. And we also become savvy to what it's like when we are connected and it is real and we are in tune and in touch with what is actually going on. When the kind of knowing comes up and then afterwards, like if I think about my mom phoning, and then afterwards she phones. For the practitioner of mindfulness, if we're being mindful moment by moment, we know what it's like when it's real. And we learn to be able to tell the difference. Yes? And this is very important for the difference between these kinds of deluded mental fabrications often habitual, compulsive, and really knowing. It's based on the ground of how things actually are. Yes? So this is a development of mindfulness. It's a way that mindfulness actually can can apply itself in the development of this quality of seeing and knowing or how we can develop and apply the mindfulness to being able to discern between (laughs) (laughs) between what's what, right? (laughs) Let's see, apply mindfulness to this and hmm, what is that, right? Yes. (laughs) So my fantasy mind says there's an aquarium there and it's bubbling. (laughs) Sounds like a fish tank. (laughs) I know what that is, right? She doesn't have an aquarium in her pocket. (laughs) I'm joking, but we get savvy. We get savvy to that. How much we proliferate like that. But we we see and know it for what it actually is. And then it doesn't take over our life. It doesn't take over our mind. It doesn't take over our body. We don't have to have a heart attack over it. Yes? How many people die of heart attacks in their sleep? Or just repeating what somebody said to them that was awful. It's like the whole thing is just taken over. The proliferation about it. Yeah? We may not have to go there, yes, when we get savvy, when we get wise about these things. And on the other side, there's the kind of intuitiveness that comes. It's related to what's real. Yes? It's like mom with her baby, with her attentiveness, and, uh, and love, not always, but it happens often 
just just a glance and she may know what's needed. Yes? It can happen between many, many people. It's one of the things that can can develop. Like the sense even without words with our friend, knowing what's going on. Yes? I have a sense of it. And there's the way by, by knowing her, by our past experience, that we might have an idea of how it's good to respond. And there's also a deeper way that's based on this uh, kind of depth of mindfulness with loving kindness and compassion. That just if we have the will, the wish, the intention to be helpful, even I think in its depth, with mindfulness and compassion. It seems like that intention maybe is already purified at that time. Yes, means our intention for for the the welfare of ourselves and others, rather than for, for the harm, the detriment of ourselves and others. In the base of that intention, with mindfulness, this is getting to the part where we would call it conscience, I think. It tells us what to do and not do. Yes? Even going back, it's like for the fantasy-driven proliferation with mindfulness and loving kindness for ourselves, the intent for our own welfare and that of others, that's arising and something in us says no. Yeah, We see and know it, but we don't have to go there. We don't have to act on that. Yes? Something else arises, and there's something in us that says yes. It is in accord with our mindfulness, compassion, this quality of uh, the intent, deep, intent for our own welfare and that of others. It responds. When that comes up, and it's a truth-based perception, then there's a yes that arises in us, yes? And that, I think, is what we would call Without angel on one shoulder, devil on the other. <laughs> I saw these pictures when I was a kid too. Yes. Hmm. Even one very famous Buddhist nun in Thailand has these pictures painted on the walls of her her meditation center. Buddhist pictures with a little white one, a little black one. <laughs> How to yes and no, yeah. But there's the way that that can be based upon what we've learned, what we've heard. And I'm not saying that we should disregard that. There's also the way that that can be based deeply in what we actually know for ourselves, based upon our practice of, of seeing and knowing, discerning what's real, how we can know what's real through our mindfulness. Yes? And it develops. 
if that no comes up and we override it, something bad happens. <laughs> that pathway develops. Yes, I've learned about this in neuroscience. It's a pathway in our brain. Yes, by running over it, it opens more fully. Yes, if the one that is the yes related simply to our mindfulness, to our knowing, when we move then on that yes, also it opens, that pathway opens, it develops. People practicing mindfulness often have these experiences where it's just a moment. The knowing comes up in just a moment, like a flicker, like a glimmer. Yes? If that happens to you, pay attention. And is there, is there a response? If you respond with, with the yes, it's like opening that door. At first it seems very small and very narrow, but when it's opened, it's like, is it like opening a door to the great outdoors or something? Yeah? Uh, means it expands. Each time we're aware and then for that yes, we respond, then it, it opens, it develops, it expands. If you've experienced this, you know the truth of it. If you haven't experienced it, I would suggest in your mindfulness, look out for this. And if it happens in a glimmer, in a moment, then pay attention. See what was, what was happening. What is there in this? If it's like a tiny door, go to it, and if you can, open it. And another and another will come, and they become bigger until it's like walking through that door. You step into the, the entire world. Yes? It, uh, it expands until it's unbroken. Thus have I heard. Yes. <laughs> If we go back to the, the suttas. Now I'm realizing it's a little bit after nine o'clock right now. And uh, I'm sorry to have... Are we supposed to stop at nine? Yes. Yes. Ah. There are ways you can A few words about the hermitage. And if you like, if anybody has questions uh, related to what I've been uh, talking about this evening, after the few words about the hermitage, if it's okay with your program, then if you have to go, well wishes on your practice. And, uh, and if you'd like to stay for questions, then I also welcome that. Uh, about the hermitage. Hmm. Um. As you heard, uh, some land has been gifted to us uh, on the Sonoma coast, a little bit north of Jenner, more than 100 acres, uh, nearby the ocean, uh, fairy ring redwood forest. 
It's kind of rescue land, like like adopting a pound puppy. <laughs> it was rescued after logging a number of years ago, and now it's quite regrown. Uh, so we have a fairy ring forest there, and uh, we're developing a women's monastic uh, hermitage there, meant to be a place of shorter or longer-term uh, retreat, particularly for female monastics, also those who would like to come and have retreat time together. Um, and it started with just land, and it's still just land. <laughs> we don't want to do too much with it. Uh, we're not thinking of putting it on the grid. Um, but uh, a few trailers have been donated, very dilapidated, so we've been giving them TLC. They still need a little bit more TLC. <laughs> Uh, in need of tender loving care and uh, we're doing fun things uh, with solar and uh, with micro hydro uh, with the the creek that's there Uh, a yurt has been given for our 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 meeting place Um, and uh, that's just come recently Um, it's an all all volunteer well I don't know, maybe we'll hire somebody at some time, but pretty much all volunteer so far and uh, uh, completely based on just what whatever people like to contribute to it. So it's a very organic happening, very organic becoming. Um, and uh, if you think that that's something that you would enjoy being a part of, uh, if you're suffering from environmental, from eco-anxiety, uh, working together on projects like this, uh, doing something that, that seems you know, well for our environment, uh, not only, well, in a very connected way, can actually be really, really helpful with that. And even not thinking about environment, just getting out into, into nature in a place like that is just, uh, you know, there's a reason the Buddha recommended practicing in the forest. Desert is also nice, but uh, it's naturally very conducive for for the practice. And naturally conducive environment plus dedicated fellow practitioners make this kind of fantastic combination that's been working really well for a long, long time. Yes? And um, so welcome to be a part of that if you'd like to. I think on the IMC volunteer board, I think we've got a listing for the hermitage there. So if you know how to access that, then good. If you don't, please ask one of the mentors. (laughs) Uh, Also, a friend printed up bookmarks uh, that have the name of the hermitage and have the, the website and email address for it. They are on the table over there. So welcome to take one or as many as you would like. Um, and uh, if, if you're interested in finding out more about it and participating in it uh, a little or a lot in any way that you like, uh, have, is it, I'm, I'm the step painter. Right? <laughs> there, are, there are all kinds of wonderful opportunities for volunteering from the very strong work to the, uh, the, the lighter work. Uh, or participating in in offering some part of uh, there's somebody who offered the steps 
that I painted. Uh, and being, being a part of something that's going to be used by people meditating and developing their practice, uh, yourself and others, for, for a longer period of time. Um, it's, I think it's a really good thing to do, good, good for us to be involved in doing things like this. So again, welcome. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.